Chug-a-lug, chug-a-lug Make you want to holler Howdy-ho From your friends at Tivoli Brewing Company and the Department of Communication, Arts, and Sciences at MSU Denver, this is Unfiltered. And here are your hosts, Jay Schrader and Dr. Samuel J. Man, him, man, this other fool decide that we'll drink up what's left. This week, we have one of those special interviews coming at you from Auckland, New Zealand this time. Auckland is, if you didn't know, the largest city in New Zealand. Doesn't necessarily get talked about a lot, um, Wellington being the capital, and obviously there's a lot that goes on there, but I had the opportunity to to drink a lot of beer. Um, very impressed with, with, with the beer there. I don't want to say that it's better than Sydney, but it might be. It might be better. I had, uh, I, I had Black Sands brewing a, a couple times and found their beer to be delicious. Uh, there were some others over there at Liberty, was a fantastic brewery. Um, I didn't have a chance to meet with the folks at, brewer, at, at Liberty, but I, I did get uh, my invite accepted and they asked, but it was just too far away from the hotel where we were staying and I couldn't get out there because uh, we had other, you know, touristy stuff to do. Uh, for this particular episode of Unfiltered, I sat down with, with Hugh Grierson, who is the owner and operator at Hopscotch Brewing. So Hopscotch is, yes, a brewery. Uh, Hugh is the, the, the one and only who's working there. But I will tell you, I went in and uh, um, Hugh's setup for brewing looks much like uh, a, you know, a home brewer. Uh, somebody who's making stuff in the basement. And the reason being not because Hugh doesn't know what he's doing, but because uh, he definitely does, and his beers were fantastic. He had a, a watermelon beer that I was able to partake in that was refreshing and very, very delightful. But um, Hugh has focused on basically providing taps to the lesser-known craft beers throughout New Zealand, uh, including the North Island around Auckland. And so when I went in there, I was able to access beer that you really can't get anywhere else. And, you know, he's kind of a figurehead for for brewing in Auckland. If you look up Hugh, uh, his last name is G-R-I-E-R-S-O-N. You can also find it uh, in the show notes. But um, he has been, a, you know, kind of a force in in drawing attention to to craft beer in, in New Zealand as a whole. And so the stories that he has to tell, the insight he offered were amazing. It was a great interview. He had, I think, 20, he, you'll have to count. He tells me how many taps. I don't necessarily remember. I had some really, really tasty beers there. Kind of knocked my socks off. I mentioned Liberty. That was a big one. Black Sands was a big one. And those come from uh, from New Zealand in the uh, Auckland area. So uh, one of the most interesting things that I took from the interview was the fact that the hops growers are actually exporting more hops than they allow uh, for their local brewers. The hops are so good there they're, um, because of the climate that they're being shipped to the U.S. They're being used by brewers here in Colorado, but also you know, Washington, California, and they're tasty. They're yummy. And Hugh and a cohort of other kind of leaders in the craft beer industry are trying to basically lobby to to force those growers to keep more, or to get those growers, I don't want to say force, to get those growers to keep more of that stuff uh, in New Zealand because the brewers there obviously want to use those hops and those ingredients to make better beer. But I hope, I think you're going to enjoy this this interview. He was awesome. He was quite the character. Um, we sat around for 40 minutes or so before we even started interviewing and just talked about things and got some insight into the history of, of it all. So 
yeah, enjoy the enjoy this episode, and I will I will say clearly and honestly, uh, the beers in New Zealand impressed me. We'll leave you with that, and I hope that you enjoy this interview that I did with Hugh Grierson from Hopscotch Beer Company in Auckland, New Zealand. So, of course, our fresh hop season is kind of April. Okay. Where yeah. are they growing, the hops um, in New Zealand? Well, they'll grow across the country. Well, they'll grow pretty much down to sort of upper South Island, but there's only one place currently where they've got the processing equipment and okay. the industry, so that's okay. around Mochueka. Okay. That's where they breed them as well. Okay. So if you have any New Zealand hop, it will have been bred at the uh, Rewalker Research Station. So okay. there's a government research station yeah. that breeds hops. Okay. And that's probably one of our points of difference going forward into the future will be Kiwi hops. Okay. So um, so part of this was Nelson Sorvin. Okay. So that was that little bit of gooseberry in uh -huh, the finish. Uh -huh. um, so you're trying to get your own, like, I mean, New Zealand is this trying to do its own varietal like it's no a, we've done it so and it's the what you already okay it's the kiwi. we've done it uh i mean from what i hear there's a bit of a problem with the new zealand industry all the brewers are getting grumpy with the hop producers and they've got a cooperative selling all the hops offshore okay and saying come on give them to us don't uh, give them to american breweries yeah so okay. nelson sorvin is the one that's probably the most famous okay um It's a very nice, very intense West Coast IPA style. I feel very fortunate to be here just having you give me a bunch of tastes. Yeah, well, it's... um. How many... Okay, so how many beers on tap? 29. 29. And a white wine. And when you open, is this the first place that you have? The first location was right here? No, no. I had a, I had a location in town. Okay. And... Um, Wait, who? What's your name? Sorry, since we're Hugh, recording. Oh, Hugh. Hugh what? Grierson. Yeah. Hugh Grierson. And where are we, Hugh? Uh, we're at the Hopscotch Beer Company in Avondale. Okay. Which is Auckland, right? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. New Zealand's largest city. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you have 29. Okay. Yeah. How does it, how does it, okay. So this was your second location. You were downtown. How come you moved out here? Um, oh, I was reading the paper and I found out that they decided to put an underground rail station on my street. Oh. And now we're going to destroy my street and realign it. Okay. And uh, it was a, they were going to put the station underground further away from my shop and it wouldn't have messed with my shop at all. And then they decided to put it on my street because they could put it above ground and save hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. So uh, it was a bit of a stink. Okay. Stink. A stink morning surprise. Where in town was it? What street? Uh, it was Shadok Street. It was um, actually in where, where probably the apex... Um, little cluster of craft breweries has mm -hmm. sort of started. Okay. And it's at the city end of what will probably will turn into our craft beer mile. Which is what? Like what's done? Uh, it's sort of um, Eden Terrace down to Morningside. Oh, uh, okay. okay. So that's following the rail line, okay. which is quite good because you could, you could do little jaunts on the railway mm -hmm. along this little, this little strip. And that's where it's all happening. So I'm going to have to do that on my way back down. Yeah, that, that would be a good idea. So you've got um, Galbraith's, which is our first craft beer pub. Mm -hmm. It's very English. Okay. Got high ceilings and lots of wood, wood 
wooden tables, yeah. English, quite an English-based menu, English-style beer. Okay. And then there's Brothers, which is like a new American-style. That's next to Esther's, right? Isn't Brothers... There's two brothers. There's a oh, brothers two. in the City Works, which is okay. their first one. That's what I'm thinking. And about. that's a quite a small brewery. Then they've got their production brewery uh, oh. in, in um, Eden Terrace. Okay, you'll have to show me how to get there. Yeah, so. yeah it's pretty easy. Because okay. um, then I can take that down to Queen's Wharf, right? I can take the train that goes right there. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, it goes down to, yeah, it goes down to pretty close to Queen's Wharf. Okay. Yeah. Um, then there's, um, there's a whole bunch of, uh, it's, a lot of it hasn't happened yet. Um, Behemoth, who are a contract brewery, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to set up uh, a brewery and brew pub and um, butchery and okay. restaurant. Okay. Because Mr. Behemoth, Mrs. Mrs. Behemoth, is uh, a butcher. Okay. So interesting. Um, yeah. So that's going to be our strip, and it's pretty going to be pretty good. Uh, there'll be probably three or four breweries along five breweries along that strip and a couple of tap rooms from breweries that don't have a production in town but mm-hmm. still want to be involved so i guess so it was it was brewing and then packaging first the tap room came second this i this push push towards the tap room is a recent thing yes, yes. really yeah because it's about yeah like you said it's different than yeah. the u.s where yeah. it's packaging and distribution comes after the tap well room. most of most of our alcohol our government's made it quite expensive to go out and drink. Okay. So unlike America, we have a um, we don't have a flat rate on our alcohol. It goes up according to how boozy the booze is. Really. Okay. So an eight percent beer pays twice the tax as a four percent beer. No shit. That's oh. why some of these stronger beers are quite pricey because uh-huh. the brewery might be paying one hundred and twenty bucks a keg to the government. Wow. For a strong beer. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's a that's something that um, I think Canada and Australia and England are all doing the same sort of thing, okay. trying to push people to drink less strong alcohol. Of course, people just say, oh, "I'm going to buy what I want." Why? What's the push? I mean, I have an idea of what the it's why, all of, well, but just about trying to make us less boozy and healthier, I suppose. Um, but but people buy what they want anyway. Um, so. And, and the way it's worked is, is because the alcohol is quite expensive in the first place, it's more expensive to drink in New Zealand than it would be in, say, America or China or yeah, somewhere. Yeah. So we do a lot more drinking at home. That makes sense. And uh, we also um, have these um, techniques called preloading and sideloading. Okay. So preloading is if you're going out into town, you get semi-cut, like semi-drunk, okay. on the cheaper booze from the supermarket. Semi-cut. And then you'll go out uh-huh. and then side loading is you'll go to an event and if you can leave it, you'll go outside for a smoke or something yeah. and then go to your car and down a few cans of something and then go back in. Oh, wait. And so like grownups do that? Yeah. Or, oh my God. It's like college. It's like university. Yeah. Well, that's if, that's if you don't, that's if you're on a budget. But still, I mean. Yeah. So, okay. Let's, let's give listeners an idea. So, um. How much? What, how how many ounces is this? This is uh, it's two hundred mils. So it's uh, basically you're gonna, you're gonna eight, eight have to just door. you're gonna have to just live in the metric I know, world. I know. I'm trying to think like, but like this would be what did you give me the the last one? So it was fourteen. It would be fourteen. Yeah. Uh, so New because, Zealand dollars. So what? What is that? Eleven. Because 12. we're because we're a, um, a takeaway, not a bar. Yeah. We're cheaper. Okay. Because I don't have to jump through as many hoops. I don't have to have a kitchen, and I I don't have to pay heaps of staff. Okay. Uh, 
and generally people come in, have their taste, buy their beer, go home. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, you'd be talking ten dollars for a for a five percent lager for a liter. Take that phone. Take the phone off. You're good. So you. I'll just tell them I'm not on you. <laughs> tell them what. There you go. That's all right. I'll just listen to the message. Uh. Um, yeah. So, but if you were, I mean, it could be to put it in perspective. A Heineken that's brewed in New Zealand, mm-hmm. a five percent Korean bottle lager, could be twelve dollars in a bar okay. for a three hundred and thirty mil bottle. Okay, so All it's right. quite pricey. Yeah. So we do more drinking at home, okay. or at people's houses. So that's okay. So that so I guess as as an adult then, a drinking adult, that's more the scene. Then you don't go out to the bar. You go and you go have a barbecue and you hang out in the backyard. Yeah. And you drink friends and yeah do you like that um as a family man okay the reason why i ask in colorado but also in seattle and you know san diego the brewery has become the tap room has become our bar it was our dad's dive bar but now we go out with our families and we shoot pool we throw darts at the tap room right and you bring our it's very kid friendly in all of these cities for the most part yeah i I would I think having a, a third place that sells alcohol where people are modeling responsible drinking yeah. would be really good if we were more into that. Yeah. Uh, when I lived in England, I'd go and play pool with strangers at a local pub uh-huh. and drink 3% pints. Yeah. And you could do it all afternoon and you get better at pool. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's enough to get better. Okay, try this. This is, a, um, this is called Manifest Density. Okay. So it's from Hamilton. What's the relationship between alcohol and New Zealand? Is it a, is it a, is it a, obviously there's a story there. Is it a problematic relationship between the country and alcohol? Uh, Yeah, I think everything went wrong when we meddled with prohibition. Okay. And then we sort of did a half-assed move away from prohibition when we had a a six o'clock swill, which was meant the bars were only open for, I think, an hour or two hours. Okay. So everybody was going hard and drinking as much as they could. How much alcohol was in those beers? Oh, they're probably 4%. Okay. So they haven't really changed much. So we've got a whole lot of beers produced by the big breweries, which are essentially the same beer. And then they separate the wort stream and put different levels of caramel and a bit okay. of bitterness. And then they're provin- tied up to the provinces. So if you're from the Waikato, you drink Waikato Draft. If you're from Auckland, you're supposed to drink Lion Red. If you're from Wellington, you drink double uh, lime brown. Okay. Yeah, so so that's still how it is, kind okay. of. Um, I'd say 80% of the beer drunk in New Zealand is still those same beers and green bottle so-called export lagers that are usually brewed under license. How did that get down? Like, how long has Heineken been brewed here? Long I don't know. I think probably from the 90s. Not sure. And that's just because they, you said they bought somebody out? Yes, uh, Heineken owns one of our big duopoly players. We've got three duop- We've got three players now, so it's a triopoly. How, I mean, I guess how, how does how does Heineken get in here before Anheuser Busch, you know, InBev, or or even Molson Coors? Like, why? I'd imagine um, the American breweries didn't really care about New Zealand. Really. Um, I mean, also Heineken had a footprint here as when it was actually Heineken Pilsner or imported. Oh. And it's always been, I mean, in the 80s, probably the best beer you could get 
in New Zealand would have been Heineken Pilsner. Yeah. Because yeah. that's... Until the 90s, there was not really... In the late 90s even, there wasn't really much option for quality beer. Okay. Uh, especially if you weren't prepared to track things down. Mm-hmm. So the best you could get would be a European import. Okay. Right. And they used to they used to be a huge part of the marketplace. Okay. But then uh, then it became obvious that if you're going to sell volume and make money, you just make those beers under under license. Okay. Okay. So we have basically all the classic European brands are brewed in New Zealand under license. Okay. And then a lot of those beers will go off offshore uh, to Australia and and the really? tropical islands. Okay. Yeah. So they brew it here and then they'll ship it off to. So I guess what what are the classes? So Heineken. Is Foster's brewed here? No, Foster's is brewed in Australia. It is brewed in but Australia. I don't even know actually if Foster's gets drunk in Australia. I, 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 from my, I went to uh, uh, Sauce in Sydney, and uh, Mike didn't think that there were a lot. Mike Clark didn't think there was a lot. No, of Foster's, drink, um, Foster's is a bit like a. Um, it's an Australian brand, but it's not really an Australian beer. Okay. You know, like I don't think Aussies yeah. drink Foster's. Well, it's just Americans think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Foster's is big in England as okay. well okay um but it's brewed on, under license over there uh-huh. so yeah okay um, f- fuck enough of the industry how did how did you get into doing this because you told me before we started recording but i want to know again this is a crazy uh, ass story um, what you were doing well because i grew up on a farm and it was like um whereabouts uh, in the king country sort of quite a remote okay. uh, central north island place and it was um pretty much in about an hour and a half one way to the college okay. so i went to boarding school so i didn't have to sit on the bus for three hours a day okay. and um, so I was in a boarding school and of course we wanted to get off our chops because life's hard when you're a teenager <laughs> at boarding school so um, me and my friend um, Michael Drabble uh, we um, started getting kits okay. uh, walk, um, not walk kits just tins and um, fermenting pretty horrible beer in the suitcase room yeah. boarding school where they got locked up so no one went in there from the start of term to the end of term okay. and some of the Asian kids had big suitcases yeah. so we put our fermenters in the suitcases and um, and then do secondary fermentation in plastic bottles and then stash all the bottles around the school in all the um, the urinal systems okay. up the top where the water came from because no one ever looks in those Yeah, no, and they're say. full of ice cold water oh yeah I didn't even think about that yeah so nice place to do a cold conditioning Who's taking down all the beer that I drink? What, are, what was the manifest destiny? Who makes it? Density. Density. Yeah, okay. it's commonly, um, it's almost like the name's a bit too clever because people just, just see destiny. But no, who makes it? Sorry. sorry. Uh, that's Brewocracy. Brewocracy. Yeah, so it's Brew, A-U-C-R-A-C-Y. You're the man. You are now the second brewer that we've talked to in the last three weeks that started brewing in college. One of the guys from Denver was... He went to college in uh, Western um, uh, Washington and realized that he couldn't buy beer, but he could brew it. You can buy yeah. every, you can buy everything to, yeah. to make it, to get your yeah, I made some back. I made some terrible beers, um, <laughs> and then I just got sick of washing bottles and didn't brew until I discovered corny kegs. Okay, and I got back into it. Okay, and then uh, I was distributing a few brands. I've been distributing beer for quite a long time, like when the scene was just starting. So probably been distributing beer for 20 years uh-huh. and then in, I needed a warehouse so I thought oh well I might as well get a warehouse in town that I can um, use for a retail right and then the distribution market got really tight okay. 
and all the wine companies weren't having any fun distributing wine because the market had got tight. And the big boys were buying all the small brands, the big, the multinationals were buying all our small brands of wine brands. So the little guys were getting squeezed. So then all the wine companies started distributing beer and just got too competitive trying to distribute. Uh, So I just became pretty much a shop and I was brewing. And then um, the guy, one of my customers, or one of the guys whose beer I sold, the guy who used to, who set up Tuatara, Carl, mm-hmm. he came by and he liked uh, my Kaffir Lime Leaf IPA. Okay. So we made that commercially as a collab. Ah. And that let me access to their whole system okay. of all their sales reps and use their big brewery. So I'd go down there and made a few big batches, like yeah. big batches for me. And um, that was pretty good. And it was quite surprising because it was like two or three years ago, four years ago, brewing in a big brewery and they had to work out how to do a hop stand because they'd never done a hop stand before. Wow. Okay. So they had to scratch their heads. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay. So um, is this kind of set up, you were the first one in town yeah. to do this. Yeah. And now there are more of them, I would assume. Yeah, so after I did it, the established bottle shops started doing it, okay. but they were pretty much not that, you know, okay. doing a pretty half-assed job. Because to do this properly, you need to have someone who can talk about beer and can give you her advice. Okay. Um, and the bottle shops did it, but they didn't want to pay their staff more than minimum wage. So okay. a lot of those bottle shops, they don't know much about the beer or don't do a very good job right. of it. But um, now in the last two years, breweries have started putting in tap rooms. Okay. So that's moving in the right direction, going for that North American model where um, you can try before you buy. Will they trade taps in with other breweries? Um, or are we just, uh, what, I mean, what are you seeing? No, seeing all no. their beer on tap, they're not. Yeah, so the way, so Garage Project, which is a Wellington brewery, uh, one of the most diverse breweries, they have always trying new stuff. Okay. They have really good success rate. Okay. Like you might get one dud out of 20. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. But they're gonna get duds because they just try all sorts of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and something does. Sometimes a beer doesn't work first time, and the second time they fix it up and it's perfect. Um, so they've got a tap room in the Urban Ort, okay. which is a production brewery. So they will have a few other brands, but they'll be brewed on site. Okay. Um, Braves, the brew pub. They have a few guest taps, uh-huh. but mainly their own stuff. Um, but then there's other shops that are other places a lot of places also you can have a tavern license which lets you be an off license and an on license okay so they're starting to crop up as well so so okay come in and gotcha um i can't get a tavern license out here because i'm in a special area where there's a special law uh, that's crazy so there's a lot of regulation oh yeah we love rules (laughs) god well we love well, give me the uh, the, say the the watermelon, please. I think we I, I think we imported every, every man in England who uh, did health and safety about ten years ago, and they all came over with their moustaches and their clipboards and their hovers vests, and now they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, they're everywhere. They're just... um, so I think um, we should probably try this Gosa. Okay. All right. All right. So we're Gosa love. And the, the way that New Zealand is following American trends. Um, just about every brewery now will make a kettle sour. Okay. And um, every brewery now does a hazy yeah. or an East Coast style. Yeah. It's everyone. Everyone. Um, and they're popular. Well, we might have reached PKs 
I think. Now, Is that going to stick around here? You think? I think the style will stick around. Yeah. It's um, it's got the, it's got the benefit of being um, approachable, because it's less but less perceived bitterness in that style. So, you can give it to someone who might be a bit more of a beginner. You know, you couldn't give a lot of people an incredibly bitter West Coast IPA. Right. Interesting thing. Um, we have a competition that has been going on for about six or seven years now called the West Coast Challenge, which is in, held in Wellington at a bar. Okay. And um, it's, the bar's the Malt House. It's one of the better craft beer bars around. Okay. And um, everyone is trying to make the most West Coast IPA they can make. Okay. So, and you're in a situation when you everyone's just drinking all the West Coast IPAs at the same time. And... Uh, I think it's pushed our West Coast IPAs almost into a, a caricature of what an American West Coast IPA tastes like. Like we've pushed well past the drinkability. Uh, a lot of our West Coast IPAs are just super intense okay. and in your face, yeah, and kind of a little bit like drinking an angry cat. Uh, <laughs> and of course, when I went to California and did some beer drinking, I noticed that a lot of Californian West Coast IPAs or Californian IPAs were a lot more sessionable and a lot more drinkable because they weren't trying to be more West Coast than the other guy. Yeah. Um, so Pira Sky Juice, for example, that won the West Coast Challenge uh -huh. in uh -huh. 2016. Okay. It's pretty intense. It is, it is, yeah. I mean, it's, it's very... It's a nice yeah, beer. It's it great is. beer. I love yeah. it. But um, you couldn't give that to someone off the street who isn't a craft beer geek. No. Um, but you could give them the Balin's Hazy Hot Bomb. So, okay. Because yeah. uh, it's got low bitterness. It's nice and juicy. I feel like I'm drinking all of your uh, your for-profit beer. Oh, well, you know, people do it all the time. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, that's a pretty nice, easy, soft entry. What do you like to make as a brewer? Um, I like, well, I'm, I'm enjoying doing the, um, the fruit wheats. Mm -hmm. uh, it always seems like I'm not putting enough hops into them. Yeah. Because I'm like, what, is this it? Yeah. Um, but it is nice not to have heaps of hop gunk to deal with yeah. lots of sludge. I actually had a really nice cow shit like spray yesterday when I was trying to get the gunk out of that conical there and I thought I'll just put a little bit of pressure on it just to get it out. It just wasn't coming and it wasn't coming and then it just went, went into this and then out of this and all over my face. Oh nice. It's and, always like cow shit spray. Um, it actually hurts quite a bit. <laughs> I've never been sprayed by a cow. I don't think. Oh no. Oh, no. Um, I don't know. I'd say there's probably cow poo probably hurts less in your eye than hop gunk. You grew up on a farm. Yeah. What were you? What did your folks raise? Uh, dry stock, so cattle and sheep okay. and okay. Um, deer. And deer. Yeah, yeah. We farm deer in New Zealand. For what? For meat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, meat and um, the the velvet. Yeah. You cut it off before it goes hard. Yeah. And. Um, it's got heaps of uh, trace minerals and um, animal hormones. Okay. And um, yeah, athletes apparently increases their ability to train and recover. What? No shit. Yeah, because because it's like it's full of hormones, growth okay. hormones. Yeah. So it's a natural growth hormones. Oh, so it's like it's and not and because it's growing so fast. Yeah. And the animal's putting heaps of energy into growing this stuff. Yeah. And when you cut it, it feels like velvet. It's a bit oily. Because it's like has to be waterproof, uh -huh. and um, it's full of blood and uh -huh. corpuscles, okay. and you can see that. And you give it to like a mangy-looking um, dog, yeah. 
give him some worm pills uh-huh. and give him some velvet and and he'll just be all shiny in a couple of days oh shit. yeah it's amazing wow anyway yeah. try that and it gets used in pills and stuff and we have to um, chinese that. chinese herbal medicine oh. it's worth heaps per kilo how are we there yeah and then uh the venison usually goes to germany or europe where oh, yeah well a lot of the a lot of the the deer is radioactive still what's that mean what do you mean Got radioactive nucleotides bouncing around in it. What? Yeah. Why? Oh, Chernobyl. Oh, oh, you're talking about from, oh, I think yeah, you Euro- European venison. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No shit. Look at that. It's like a fucking history lesson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so so we used to, because we've got wild deer running through our forests. Okay. And they're actually bad news because our, our forests have evolved for birds. Yeah. So mammals are just eating them. Yeah, we learned that yesterday. That, yeah, the British yeah. just introduced all these mammals and yeah 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 pretty much fucking everything <laughs> so basically we're going they're going through all the edible plants according to how tasty they are okay so all the tastiest plants are now extinct and they're moving down the tasty schedule okay it's kind of like when you go to the beer fridge and you're, you're you getting, start with the good shit yeah, yeah they're getting yeah. down to the they're getting down to the old stuff now okay um what else oh this is a nice one this is from brewery in um upper hut called boneface okay so this is a bit of a so it's a it's a West Coast IPA, okay. but he hasn't filtered it, so it's still a bit of hazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. And um, that's New Zealand hops, so probably got some Nelson Sauvignon. Yes, yes. It's a, it's a distinct taste. Yeah. I, I want to say it's, in terms of citrusy, it's almost like a lime. Yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of people that. get lime, um, maybe guava. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that that's probably one of the, the main point of difference that we've got is... Mm-hmm our hops and even the same hop grown in New Zealand tastes different markedly it's all you know terroir yeah so uh, I think it's called Takahe is New Zealand grown US Cascade okay totally different tasting greener grassier will it change from year to year yep. too I mean yep. is that the weather is that yeah totally yeah, uh, every we've good seasons and bad seasons. This was a good hop season. Okay. Um, sometimes um, the autumn is if you have a, a crappy autumn and it's rainy and bad for grapes and hops, mm-hmm. and you get botrytis and and mold in, in the hops. Okay. Uh, and sometimes you just have a massive storm and all the hops just get blown off, or yeah. hop farms get flooded because they're all in alluvial plains. Uh-huh. They're all in the in the like lush ground that mm-hmm. has come off the mountain, so floodplains. Okay. So they can get flooded out. Okay. But um, like I said before to you, the, one of the big issues is is uh, the demand for our hops is not being met by production, and then the the dollars go offshore, it's fucked up. and then the American American breweries get our hops. Yeah, that seems uh, quite ironic and, and kind of wrongheaded for sure. Yeah, well, that's. Unfortunately, um, you know, our best meat goes offshore, our best fish goes offshore. Wow. That's, uh, um, okay, so you were saying in terms of, of, of barrels, uh, using a lot of wine barrels here, obviously, it kind of makes sense. So what's the relationship like between breweries and wineries? Pretty pretty good? Pretty, you know, they're willing to kind of give those barrels up? And uh, yeah. Totally well, I imagine there's probably some contra going on there. Yeah. Um, obviously... It takes quite a lot of beer to make wine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all well. Basically, 
most of our top breweries would have a barrel program. They would. Okay. And Eight Wide has got a pretty comprehensive barrel program. Okay. Garage Project have got their own wild workshop yeah. where they do their wild styles. Uh -huh. um, yeah, Hallatau does some pretty mean um, Britomyces beers. They've got one called Funkane that's really nice. Okay. All right. Um, so it's you're not going to find much of this stuff back in the states, though, right? I mean, nobody's shipping it across and or flying it across. No, it's, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I, it's questionable whether it's worth it economically. It's kind of Coles to Newcastle kind of thing. I mean, you're not going to be sending um, our version of a West Coast IPA to the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. but uh, definitely know the hops are moving. Uh -huh. um, I wouldn't be surprised if you started seeing some of our bigger um, lambics and and, and yes. bottle sours yes. moving because yes. they age well and and also different price point. I think they're better than a lot of the stuff that I've had in in you know the yep. western part. Of I'll the go States. see if I've got a funkane in the fridge. Let okay. it taste. Okay, it's um, it's pretty intense. But um, Hellertown's got a barrel that seems to make really nice. Okay. I'm pretty sure I've got one. Is that it? Hallertau, right there? That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they, they were one of their first brew pubs okay. in this region. Yeah. And they've been around for probably, I don't know, 10 years now. Wow. Yeah, you're good. Just so you. Look at that. Wow. You really don't have to do this. Oh, that's all right. I can't sit in the fridge forever. It's been sitting in the fridge for quite a long time already. What's your favorite brewery? around medium size or actually large crappery that hasn't been bought out who makes the best beer in your opinion uh, consistently because i had a, i want to say uh, if you're looking for garage project if, I you're, like their stuff. if you're looking for um good drinkable american styles i'd say liberty liberty okay okay Hallatau is good for Experimentals, mm -hmm. and they have a good core range. Um, the local brewery Weasel Dog has been making some really good experimental beers recently with his dessert range. Okay, okay. All right, so nice. this is a um, amazing. This is a Brett Chardonnay barreled saison. Wow, that is clean. What do you think? I'd say that's as nice as anything I've had from anywhere else in the world. Wow. Isn't it? It's very clean. Very happy Britomyces. Yes. Yes. I have. So that would be an example of a beer I think we could export to okay. the States. Okay. Because you've got a higher price point. Um, it ages well. A bottle shop could get it and put it in and it could sit on their top shelf in their interesting beer range and it wouldn't matter. I mean, it's quite old now, 2012. Mm -hmm. I'd say it's probably could sit in the fridge for 10 more years. Do we know where the barrels came from? Yes. That'll be Marlborough. Oh, oh okay. But uh, which which winery? No, you wouldn't know. I don't know. Don't know. Do they? Can you advertise that? Like the, the breweries say these were aged in... So yep. and so barrels. Yeah, like for that. sure. Okay. Yeah. Because that seems to be the thing in the in the states. Yeah, we, 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 I mean, we do have quite a lot of regulations around um, 
around drinking and you know for example if you're a bar you've got to have a kitchen and supply food okay you can't just be a bar um and things like that but um as far as the rules about brewing you can say what you want pretty much yeah you have to tell people core information about you've got to like be food safe and you've got to have some paperwork to do that to brew yeah but because brewing is inherently safe it's easier than it would be just to be a sandwich bar yeah yeah. I mean, let's face it, pretty hard to get sick out of beer, especially if it tastes good. If mm-hmm. it tastes good, generally, it's not going to make you sick. No. Unless you have too much. That's the same thing even, uh, you know, in the, in the U.S. But we don't have a lot of those rules that different states have in the states where you can't, you can't brew and sell on the same site or things like that. We don't. Yeah. We're pretty much over our prohibition problems now. Yeah. But we've still got the carryover of, of some of the drinking problems, although... England never had that, and they still have binge drinking and fight fight streets and yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah. um, is is drinking connected to sports here in the same way that it is in the UK in a lot of ways? Is yeah, it- um, trying to dissociate the two. Uh, so, I mean, a lot of the historically sports teams have been sponsored by mega swell companies, big mm-hmm. big breweries, and um, mega swell is that what you called it? Yeah. Megas well, you can use that if you want. <laughs> That's good. Um, so, I mean, but basically, like a large proportion of what gets drunk in New Zealand is still Megas well, and we're working on slowly okay. thinning that out a bit. Okay. And of course, what's happening is the big boys have been buying craft breweries and and trying to sort of slow the growth down. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I think it's working quite well. Yeah. But uh, Lion Nathan, who's one of these, the Japanese-owned massive booze company, that's been buying. London breweries. London what would be their breweries. big beer that people would know? Uh, 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 Steinlager. Ste- Steinlager. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was really surprised um, when on, I went to Hawaii, whenever I bumped across like boys sitting on the beach playing guitars around fires, they were drinking Heineken, uh, Steinlagers. And that's all because... Steinlagers big in Hawaii. Wow. That because... Really makes sense. I don't know. I think they did a big marketing push years ago and it's kind of got a foothold and it's an imported beer. What the fuck? And it's quite reasonably priced. It's actually not bad. It's all right. It's just interesting that everybody's fighting the same fight when it comes to you know craft beer or micro mm. beer. It's mm. the same fight. And all, all the mega mega breweries have the same playbook. Which is what? Buy. Buy the good guys out, bring the price down, mm-hmm. crush the, use those craft brands as mulch to try and stop all the weeds of diversity coming up. Yeah. Um, Compete on price, saturate the market with fuck tons of marketing money, um, own all the fridges. It's all the same shit that you get in the States. We've got the same shit here. What does a good craft beer drinker think of that, though? Like, is it, is it? Well, it's a double-edged sword. I'd say the average drinker likes it because if they find themselves getting dragged to a shitty DB bar or a Lion bar, there'll be some good beer. Yeah. Um, it annoys me because as soon as someone becomes bought out by a multinational, I'll stop selling them. Yeah. And I can't sometimes miss those breweries. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I think it's good in the terms of it's getting more beer available, mm-hmm. good beer available, mm-hmm. and it's letting the market mature. Yeah. But I think it's bad because it pulls the money away from the actual New Zealand owned breweries that are run by people yeah. who make like decisions, actual human beings. Actual human beings. Um, not accountancy programs. 
And then you do notice sometimes the beers are obviously being brewed by an accountancy program. Yeah. Because yeah. you notice things are dropping down on, you know they're not using as much hops and they're not spending as uh -huh. much on the grain bill. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I'm anxious to see what happens uh, everywhere with those kind of buyouts because, you know, I think as a craft beer drinker, we take for granted the fact that we like good beer. But I think even we are a minute percentage of the craft beer drinking populace, you know, mm. like the fact that we can go, oh, this tastes delicious and here's the X, Y, and Z ingredients and I can smell it and I can taste it. We assume that everybody who's drinking a craft beer can taste that, but it's not the case. Have you had Hell or High Watermelon from 21st Amendment? That's, uh, this is what you gave me, right? Yeah, but if you had the, the beer. Mm. Pretty nice. No. Pretty no, yeah. nice. Yeah. Great yeah. beer to drink when you're riding around in a bike oh, in San yeah, for Francisco. Sure. For sure. I really liked riding a bike in San Francisco because people in cars weren't trying to kill you. Whereas riding a bike in, in Auckland, it's like you're the enemy. Yeah. And if something happens to people's personalities when you put them in a car. And um, I annoyed drivers in San Francisco because even though I knew I had right away, I just assumed that they were just going to just charge at me, try and kill me. But they'd like, stop. And politely wait. And I'd like, what? what? And then I was like slowing them down because I wasn't trusting them to yeah. not kill me. Yeah. But I've just had my whole life riding a bike in London and riding a bike in Auckland when everyone is, is turns into a homicidal maniac. <laughs> and uh, it was quite strange. Anyway, I did a lot of riding around drinking hella high watermelon. It's uh, That's a good beer. I, I don't know if you can get it in Colorado, but your, your version. Yeah, fantastic. that's a good beer too. It's uh, um, and I'm probably going to keep chucking. I've got one with blueberries and chiller. Oh, nice. And good thing about the blueberries is some tannins come out. Uh -huh. Oh yeah, yes. So won't won't get any more tannin because it's off the off the fruit now. Um, but it gives it a nice bit of a, a nice bite at the end. Uh -huh. And did you try the creek? I did not. No. Right. Well, don't no. expect something from Belgium. Okay. Okay. I won't. So um, nationwide, I'd say the most experimental would be Garage Project. Um, yeah. If you're looking for a nice beer around here that's well-made, I'd give Liberty a crack. Mm -hmm. um, Urbanaut are, are doing some good beers. They're very local there in town. You can go to their tap room if you want today. Okay. It's, on, it's in town in Morningside. Okay. Um, Hallertau do some good seasonals. Um, that's their cherry there you're drinking. Oh, wow. There's just so many good breweries. Yeah, I know. I noticed that just like on doing, you know, review, uh, you know, uh, assessment of reviews and everything. I was, I don't want to say I was shocked, but I was impressed by the amount of craft beer uh, in this town. So a lot of it is exported. Okay. A lot of Epic um, and Eight Wide will be going. Eight Wide's a really good one. Epic's yeah. a good one. Oh, it's heaps. Uh, a lot of it, um, a lot of it goes to Asia, uh -huh. Hong Kong, and and China. Really? China. Yeah. Okay. So they're drinking a lot of that kind of beer over there. I just apparently they love hops. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're kind of, but obviously there's not much point trying to see it sell hoppy beer to America. Yeah. But we're selling a lot of hops to America. It's. it's uh, we're I planting hope more hops. Changed. Yeah, you'll more have to keep hop me farms going in. Let's keep me posted on if yep. that gets yep. fixed. All right, we'll end it here. Yep. Thank you. We'll do a cheers. One last cheers. Thank you, Hugh. Good I job. appreciate it. Here we go. Shut this guy off. Burns your tummy, don't you know? Chug a look, chug a look. Grape wine in a mason jar.